Do you look at your mountain of goals and feel stuck? Or have you already achieved great things and yet you know there's still more? Then you've come to the right place. We're here to offer practical tools and tangible strategies to change your mindset. And challenge you to produce a life beyond the norm. I'm Nate. I'm Lara. Welcome to the Transcendence Podcast. Welcome back to the Transcendence Podcast. Today we are diving into emotional intelligence. As you know, we have been in a powerful self-awareness series and we are wrapping it up with talking about the power of being aware of your emotions. And it's very important that we started with self-awareness because you first have to find out where you're at. And then next, we're actually going to get into goal setting and look at the future. You're going to find out where you want to go. And then we're going to talk about that path in between and the things that you can do to make that path a little bit smoother, to make that path a little bit better, to learn a lot more during that path and to accomplish the, all the goals that you set out to do. Right. Because there is that point of, you know, you can write down all the goals you want, but it's actually how do I get from point A to point B? So getting into emotional intelligence, there's actually five core emotions. So we all know we all experience feelings and emotions a million times a day, but it all narrows down to five core emotions. Now, I think most people have a misconception as to what emotions truly are. Most people think emotions are a state at which we're currently in due to our circumstances around us or due to our interactions with other people. In reality, emotions are actually our body's way of communicating to itself or our mind's way of communicating to itself to try to tell us something based on the circumstances and the interactions around us. But the state of mind or the state at which you live is something you actually choose. The emotions are just there as a communication because see, feelings and emotions, they actually only last 90 seconds in the mind unless you choose to feed it longer. So as we go over these five, know that if there's any that you don't want to experience, one, we're going to tell you how to act on them properly. But if you, there's any that you don't want to experience, don't feed that emotion. Don't let things continually feed that emotion because all these emotions really come from inside of our mind and are created by ourselves. It's ourself communicating to us. Now, this is really powerful because this gives you the power over your day. This gives you the power over your life. This gives you the power over your circumstances that you can choose to affect the world around you rather than be affected by everything that surrounds you and all the people that you talk to. One thing I always say, and I said at the end of the last episode as we were getting ready for this, never repress or try to control your emotions. You need to listen to them, listen to what they're trying to tell you, and act on them properly. Now, this is something that I'm still currently working through. I'm speaking to myself right mm -hmm. here because as an eight on the Enneagram, which we talked about a few episodes ago, as an eight on the Enneagram, oftentimes I detach myself from emotions. I'd rather be emotionless because it's easier just to keep going towards a goal. But in reality, when I remove my emotions from myself, I remove my humanity. And when you remove your humanity, it makes it a lot harder to connect with other people. And let's be honest, most of our goals require help from other people and require rallying, rallying and influencing people, so especially if you want to make a significant impact in the world. It's going to involve other people. If you remove your humanity, no one's going to want to follow you. No one's going to want to join with you. And nobody's going to have any buy-in. And I will say, too, for most of us, it's a lot easier said than done, right? That applies to all of us. Um, it's very easy to just, you know, say that we should do that. 
but it's one thing to actually do it. And I think the more that we put it into practice, the more it will become second nature to us and it will be something that's just ingrained in our minds. Yeah. Now, when we tell you guys this is how you should act properly in this emotion, it doesn't mean that we do it every single time. No. It just means that this is the way that we should all try to think um, because in a perfect world, this is how everyone would react right. to emotions. We all can always be striving to do better and to react better and to acknowledge our emotions better. Now, this is really important if you're a manager, a leader of an organization or in any kind of team at all. If you want to lead people well, you have to utilize your emotions. You can't just detach yourself from them because, again, you lose your humanity at that point. You lose your connectiveness. And I think also, too, in order to lead people well, you need to be able to lead yourself well. And that's a huge component of being able to lead yourself. So this is what we're going to do today. We're going to go over the five core emotions. We're going to go over where they're felt in the body. Like I said, all emotions are rooted in our mind, oftentimes felt in a specific area of the body. So we're going to talk about where do you feel them? What are they trying to tell you? What is that message that each emotion is trying to communicate and where is it coming from? How can you act properly? And what mistakes most people do acting improperly that doesn't help benefit them or the people around them? So we're going to start with the five emotions. There's two that are positive emotions. And I throw up the quotations there because reality, when you look at these and you look at how you can utilize all of them, there really are no positive and negative emotions. The positive ones, people have the perception, you know, that they are positive or negative. But in reality, if you utilize them all to build value and to create something better in the world, they're all positive. And they're all positive in their own way. And they can all be used, create more energy and to create more momentum in your life. So the first one we're going to start with is the easiest one. It's joy. Joy is one of the core emotions, and this also goes hand in hand with any kind of happiness, gratitude, cheerfulness, gladness, any variation of it. There's definitely a scale there, but joy is the core emotion. Joy is something you feel all over your body. A lot of times when someone experiences joy, they oftentimes feel lighter. They feel a little tingly, feeling like almost like you're floating, and everything's just going great. You feel good. You feel energized. Joy is trying to tell you that something good has happened, something good is happening, or something good is going to happen, something that you're going to enjoy. So the way to act properly is keep feeding it. Try to stay in that joy. You know, you want to stay in it. You want to keep looking at the positives and just live in that joy as long as possible. That's, that's one of the emotions you don't want to move on in 90 seconds. You want it to last 90 days, 90 years. You want to experience joy as much as possible. Now, the way to not act on it and the way that people get caught up improperly acting on joy is one, they diminish it. They do cause it to end after 90 seconds. They don't celebrate their own victories. They're not proud of what they accomplished. And this is something that I oftentimes did in sports. You know, I played lacrosse and you scored a goal, you just turn around and walked away. I removed the joy out of scoring the goal because I was too focused on the next goal. Now, did it help in games a little bit? Maybe, but it also didn't allow me to experience the pride of what I accomplished. Now, the other reverse side of that is some people go too far and they exaggerate the accomplishment. They exaggerate the good thing. And when you're exaggerating, then it becomes boasting. See, nothing's ever boasting or bragging if it's true. If you accomplish something great and you're joyful about it or something's happened to you and you're joyful about it and it's great, and you want to share that with others, as long as you're telling the truth, that's not bragging, that's not boasting. The moment that you start to exaggerate it and try to make it even better than what it is, people can tell. And that's when you start to brag, that's when you start to boast, and that's when you're going to lose the connectiveness with the people around you. 
And I will say, just a side note, you know, the current circumstances that we're living in um, in 2020, it hasn't been the most joyous year for most people, um, whether it be, you know, your job, financial situation, um, maybe something personally going on. But I think it's really important to find ways to bring joy into your life. It could be as simple as finding a good book, taking time. Um, just to spend time one-on-one with a close friend or your spouse or um, just finding ways to connect relationally. Um, But just finding ways, maybe for if you're a female, maybe it's going and getting your nails done, just something to brighten up your day. I think it's really good to be aware of that we truly do have control of our emotions and we can have control and we can bring joy into our life. I'll say the the easiest way to be proactive about finding joy I've found is gratitude. Mm. Gratitude's rooted from joy. Um, yes. In the moment, you're more grateful. You're more joyous. And if you can find things to be grateful for, you're going to find more joy and it's going to allow that to stir up more. That's right. So the next one's going to be your creative emotion or your sexual emotion, your sexual drive towards another person. I think we all know where that's felt in the body, but this oftentimes sits in your mind because more often than not, the creativeness is something of you just wanting to create something new. And that's what this is. This is the sole purpose of this emotion is what can you create? Hey, there's an opportunity here for you to create something. And with that, the way to act properly on that is to think about the outcome before you create it. The way to act properly is think about if I create this, does it provide value? Does it provide more joy to people? Does it provide a significant impact or does it provide something negative? If what you're creating provides something negative, do not create it. If what you're creating provides value to somebody or value to yourself or value to a group of people, that's when you want to initiate it and create it. Where people fail is they don't think about the outcome first. They create and then see how it plays out. But when you do that, if it is something that has a negative impact and the cons outweigh the pros, it's too late. It's already created. So the way to react to creativity properly is to think about that outcome, look at the pros and cons, analyze it before creating. And for someone that wants to start things very quickly like me and improvise, it's that can be very difficult sometimes. But You really need to think about all the outcomes before you create something new and make sure that the pros definitely outweigh the Something that I've tried to do in my own life is you were talking about adding value and does this add value? I think it's really good, whether it is a business setting, whether it's, you know, relationships, whatever. Ask yourself, how can I add value? You know, put aside that for a second and just think when you walk into work, how can I add value? I think when you ask that question, you make it more about the people and the organizations in your life more than about yourself, because sometimes we put ourselves at the forefront. I think it's so important to say, how can I add value and to find those ways to add value? And I'll say it again, the more you do it, the more it will become second nature. All these little um, practices that we're telling you about, the more that you integrate them into your everyday life, it will just transform your thinking, transform your way of life, transform the way that you show up at work, the way you show up in your marriage, the way you show up um, for your family. And that's a perfect transition into what most people consider the negative emotions. And the reason that most people consider these negative is because they don't know how to act properly. When in reality, if you utilize these next three emotions properly, you can create more momentum and value in your life and the people around you. 
It's just about the questions you ask yourself before you act. And you're going to see a lot of these are going to be a conversation with yourself. The emotion is the initial communication with yourself that opens up the conversation and the dialogue with yourself on how, what you should, what should I do next? And a lot of these conversations take place in seconds and some of them should go a little bit longer than what they do. And that's why we act improperly is because we don't have the conversation. So it's okay not to react right away. Sometimes you got to take a pause when you feel an emotion of how do I act properly and then go at it. So getting into what most people consider negative emotions, first one's going to be anger. Anger can be frustration, irritation, whether you're livid. Like I said, there's definitely a scale there with how angry somebody is. But anger is oftentimes felt in your shoulders and in your neck. Your shoulders and neck get very tense. Mm -hmm. Your shoulders will come higher. Your chest puffs out a little bit because you're very angry. You tighten up. What anger is trying to communicate to you is that something needs to change or that you want something to change. So the way to act properly is first ask yourself, can I change it? I tell this to employees all the time when we're we're working at work because we ask them every week, you know, what is something that made you angry last week? Because if it's something that we can change, we want to change it for them. We want to provide an environment that they enjoy working in. But if someone tells me something like I was really angry that it rained last week, okay, well, then you're feeding an anger that doesn't need to be fed because there's no point in getting angry at something that you can't change. You first ask yourself, can I change it? If the answer is no, move on. Don't feed the anger anymore. There's nothing you can do. If the answer is yes, then The next question is, if I change it, does this create value or does it just diminish value for somebody else? Does this create value for me and other people? If yes, change it, act on it, push forward. There can be a lot of energy that comes out of anger that does great things because obviously we all know there's things that need to change in the world. We're always trying to improve. There's things that need to change in our own life. We're always trying to get better. But if we never act on it, then we never change it. And that's where most people have a misconception. They hold it all in and let it bottle up and they don't change anything. And then they keep experiencing the same anger because they know they can do something about it, but they don't do something about it. And it causes them to just lash out and tear down other people because they're bottling up this angry when reality, they can just go out and do something about it and make a difference in the world. And I think that's something that you exercise and do very well. A funny story, when we first got married, I was doing something um, in our guest bathroom and I completely stripped the drywall (laughs) right off the wall. The paint came off um, and I was like, oh crap, he's going to be so upset when he gets home. So I waited till he got home and I brought him upstairs and I showed him and he was just like, okay, we'll fix it. And I was kind of shocked at how he responded because, I don't know, most people, like growing up, if I would have done that to my parents' walls, my dad probably would have been very mad and been like, you know, why, why did you do that? But just seeing how you reacted and I said, you're not mad? You're not upset? Like, what? <laughs> and you were just basically like, well, it's already been done. I can't change it. It's already, it is what it is. And that hasn't always been that way for me. There, I've had plenty of holes in doors. I've had plenty of things broken when I was younger. And, you know, I realized one day if I can change it, then let's change it. But if I can't, let's let's move on. And the thing about that experience, I could see Laura had already learned that, okay, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like... I already knew that I shouldn't have done what I did to the wall way before I even told you. Um, and, and that goes into the workplace too. Right. Like if, if one of my employees makes a mistake... And I can see that they actually learn from their mistake. I'm not going to be angry. 
Now I'm going to be angry if they try to blame it on everything else and they don't take responsibility because that's what I want to change. I want them to take responsibility. There's still a want for change there. Going back and trying to change whatever happened is in the past. And this is a good example, too. Let's say that wasn't the case. And he lashed out and was like, what are you doing? Why didn't you wait until I could help you? And, you know, just went off the deep end of just completely tearing me down for what I did to the wall. Imagine how much longer it would have taken for us to come to an agreement that the wall just needed fixed and move on from there. I think that's a really good example, you know, to use in your own life. How many times do you overreact and end up causing more damage in your relationship, end up causing more damage in the workplace because you overreact and you don't take into consideration it is what it is. It's already been done. Yeah. And, and that goes when you're especially working with somebody else and it's an interaction with someone else and you're not angry at yourself or something you did, but something somebody else did. The want for change at that point you need to realize isn't to fix the item. That's not the want for change. The want for change is that that person learned from that mistake and won't do it again. That's what the leader really wants. If you're leading a team and they make a mistake, you want them to learn from that mistake so it doesn't happen again. You don't really care that much about the mistake. You can fix a mistake. That's why you're a leader. That's why you're a problem solver. That's why you're put in the position. What you want from the team is the change in mindset so it doesn't happen again. And if you lash out, and you just tear them down and you just scream at them and throw things and break things. I, I mean, we've all seen it all at some point. When you act like that, that mindset change is never going to happen and you're going to be right back there in a couple more weeks or a couple more months when they make the same mistake over again. Because fear, that fear of that happening again only lasts so long. And then it happens again, then you have to burst out again, and then that fear lasts so long. And then all your employees are living in fear rather than living in the glory of what they did right because you can just have a conversation with them to make sure that they learned it. You can sit down and have a civil conversation and say, hey, look, we could have done this, we could have done this, and we could have done this. And if they learn from that, now they can just live in getting better as opposed to being scared from making that mistake again. So the next negative emotion is actually going to be sadness. This could be shame, this could be you know grief, this could be guilt, any kind of sadness. Sadness is oftentimes felt right in the center of your chest right where your heart is. You will actually feel it right where your heart is and it'll be a heaviness right there. Sadness is trying to tell you that something's gone or something's been taken from you. So how do we act on that properly? The way we act on that properly is first ask yourself, can I get it back? If you can get it back, that solves your sadness right there. If you're sad, maybe you and your significant other split up, but you know there's still something you could do to make things right and get that person back. I'm not saying every split up needs to get back together. But if that's something that can happen and that would cure the sadness, go act on it, get them back. Now, if it's something you can't get back, say you had a death in the family or say you had a death of a pet or something like that. And it's something you can't physically get back because yeah, you can replace a pet, but it's never that same pet. It's a whole new pet. You're never going to get back that old pet. You need to find a support system. You need to find someone that you can talk to, someone you can experience that sadness with and actually address the sadness. Address how you feel. Acknowledge that you are sad in that moment. Because when you try to push it off to the side, when you try to detach yourself, when you try to cover it up or when you try to withdraw by yourself, that's when it will distract you. That's when it will haunt you. That's what will hinder performance. And especially if you withdraw, that's where things like depression can start to set in. Never withdraw and suffer sadness alone. We are connected people. We are community people. That's why that's why this COVID thing has been so hard for people is because mm -hmm. they can't have community. Right. And we are people built for community. Even the people that are, you know, 
don't like large crowds, still like a couple close friends. So make sure you have at least that one or two people that you can really be open with and they can experience that sadness with you. Now, the last one is going to be fear, fear, anxiety, you know, being scared, any, any part on the scale there, they all come back to fear and fear is often felt in your stomach. It almost feels like butterflies in your stomach. You're nervous to do something. Nervous is another one that, you know, is a very subtle form of fear. Now, fear is telling you that something hasn't been fully addressed. You don't know the full outcome of what's coming up. This could have something that, you know, hey, that's looks dangerous. You know, you don't know if it's going to go well or not. All of that comes from fear. And that's what it's trying to tell you. Now, the way to act properly is first ask yourself, can it be addressed? You know, can you check out, can you determine the outcome or can you do certain things to put in place to make sure the outcome you want happens or at least increase the odds that that outcome happens? If so, go ahead and do those prevent whatever those preparations are, go ahead and address what needs to be addressed. If, if you know, if you're, if you have a fear that you left the oven on, go check the oven. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Go check it. That fear can be addressed. Go check it. Um, now if it's something that cannot be addressed, you know, maybe stepping into a new job. Yeah. You can do as many preparations as you want with a contract, but you're never really going to know if it's going to work out or not until you get in there and actually start doing it. If it cannot be addressed, you have to weigh out the pros and you have to weigh out the cons. What's the reward and what's the risk? Because keep in mind, fear is also your survival instinct. This is the emotion that's made humanity survive over time because fear lets you know if something's dangerous or not. We know not to jump off of cliffs because there's a fear that we're going to die. You're going to hit the ground too hard. There's fears there for a very specific reason. At times that people don't act properly is where they let fear control them. And even when the rewards outweigh the risk, they become paralyzed in their fear. If there's a 1% chance of something bad happening, but a 99% chance of something good happening, you need to lean into it. You right. need to go after it, especially if that good happening is your dream or your goal. If you let 1% chance hold you back from accomplishing your goal, you're never going to go anywhere. You're never going to get better because if you're too scared to do something new, you're always going to keep having the same thing. The only way to get something new is to do something different, to do something new, to increase what you're doing. Now, the counteract of that, if fear comes in and says, hey, there's a 75, 80% chance this is going to go really bad. And like when I mean really bad, like maybe bankrupt you, put you homeless, you know, affect your family, you won't be able to eat because you're stepping into something that you know is not that great of an idea, but there's a 10 or 15% chance it's going to go well. Okay, maybe maybe that's, a, that's something you should listen to. Maybe there's more preparations in place that you have to do before acting on it. So it's just about figuring out what is that risk analysis. If it can be addressed really quickly and there's a 0% chance it's going to go bad because you can address it, okay, leaving this oven on or something like that, just do it. Do it quick. Act on it quick. You're, you're spending way too much time in fear wondering. Just go figure it out. But if it's something that's, you start getting those percentages, you know, 80, 90% risk or reward, you know, you have to figure that out for yourself. And if the reward doesn't outweigh the risk, I'd say it's a good time to listen to fear. And how often is our fear a fear of something that isn't real or isn't happening in our life? It's maybe something that we've thought could happen or we think might happen. And 90% of the time, it doesn't end up happening the circumstance, the outcome ends up going way better than what we had in our mind. So I know for me, I'm a six on the Enneagram. And one of the things that sixes really struggle with is fear. And so for me, it's a constant, a constant practice in my mind to say, okay, 
is this fear that I'm feeling, is it a real situation or is it something that I'm making up in my head? And a lot of the times it's something that I'm making up in my head and worrying about nothing, basically. that's, That's the other way to act properly. Look at the facts. Yep. Don't just look at your imagination because that will get you in trouble. Your, imagine, your imagination can create great things, but it can also get you in trouble by holding you back. So make sure you're looking at the facts. When I say we look at risk and reward, try to remove emotion from risk and reward. Those are facts. You put these are the facts that could happen. These are the facts that could happen bad. These are facts good, facts bad. And then you can put your emotion into it. And talking about these negative emotions, how many times do we experience them and we end up projecting our emotions onto other people? In other words, moms, how many times are you stressed out because you had a hard day at work and you come home lashing out on your family, taking it out on your husband, taking out a taking it out on your kids. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's something going on at home that's really tough and you're bringing that into work with you and bringing that into your work environment. It's easier said than done, but if we can acknowledge and take the time to recognize where this anger, where this fear, where the sadness is coming from, we can show up better. I think about sometimes when I'm in a rush and I'm, you know, trying to get out the door or whatever, and sometimes I can end up, I'll be honest, I'll end up being short with Nate in conversation when he had absolutely nothing to do with me not being on time. And so it's taking a moment to go, okay, well, lesson learned, I just need to be on time. And then we won't have that issue going on because it's not anything that he is responsible for. That was my responsibility to be on time. And if you're working on this, it's really important to get your significant other, your spouse working on this as well, because Laura and I have that open feedback where if Laura gets short with me because she's behind. So when we get in the car, I can tell Laura because we have that open communication. I can tell her, hey, you're being short with me. You're angry right now and you're taking it out on me when in reality your want for change is that you don't want to be late. And I know that. That's why I'm remaining calm right now, because that's your want for change and it's not something I can fix. This is something that's happened because you didn't get up early enough. That's not my fault. And then Laura's emotion will immediately change. She stops feeding the anger. Um, She moves on from it, and we can enjoy the rest of our car ride. But the reason I say that is because if you guys aren't both working on it at the same time, it becomes very difficult. And if I knew Laura wasn't working on that or I couldn't say that to Laura, I'd be even more frustrated because I'd be like, why doesn't she get it? Why doesn't she try to work on this? I'm trying to work on this. And it feels like only one person's putting out the effort. So work on this together. If this is something you decide you really want to work on and you are married especially or dating somebody that you're very seriously dating about marrying one day, have them listen to this podcast too. Have them work on the same thing so you can have that feedback with each other. So one other thing before we end, wrap up this podcast, a lot of these emotions are going to coexist together. So you're going to feel multiple emotions at the same time. The thing I've found is easiest is let's take a look at which emotion I feel the most at that time and address that first. And then maybe the second most, third most, if, you're, if I'm feeling those emotions, you may not feel, you know, when you're in the midst of anger and sadness and say that's a combination of the two, you may not feel any joy. So there's no joy to address there. It's about bringing the joy out in those moments by being grateful but it's about acting on the the two or one or two that you feel the most at that time. And like Laura said, you know, this comes from taking a pause when you feel that emotion, especially a strong emotion, especially one of the negative ones. Take a pause and say, where is this coming from? What am I trying to tell myself right now? Because keep in mind, it's on your perceived circumstances. 
not your true circumstances, your perceived ones. And sometimes the perception can create emotions that aren't even there. And that's the easiest way to get rid of them in that 90 seconds. So guys, that wraps up the self-awareness series. And like I said, now that we can all take a moment and reflect as to where are we currently at, next week we're going to start talking about where do we want to go, how to properly set goals, what type of goals to set. And then after that, we'll get into how to achieve those goals, building that path in between. Thank you so much for joining this week's episode. We hope you've learned something new, that you feel challenged and leave inspired. If there's a part of this episode that stuck out to you, be sure to screenshot the podcast, post it on Instagram, and tag us in it. Let us know what captivated you. Speaking of Instagram, we would love to connect with you and make sure that you're one of the first to know of our new episodes and exciting updates. You can follow me at It's Laura Stevens. And I'm at the period Nate Stevens. If you found value in this podcast, remember to leave us a rating or review. This will allow others to see what they can benefit from this podcast as well. Join us next week as we continue to live a life beyond the norm.